Welcome to The Pillars. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgham, and I wanted to give you an introduction before we begin the formal portion of our interview today. The 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force is emphasizing innovation this year. We've been asked to highlight some airmen who are doing innovative things in their workplaces and interview them on those tips, tactics, and tricks that they use to be effective on the day-to-day mission. So this interview isn't our normal format of a podcast, but I'd like you to just take a moment as we interview this young airman to take some of those principles that he uses in his day-to-day life and just take them and learn from them. So I wanted to let you know we'll be back with our normal podcast later this week, maybe even early uh, next week, but we look forward to getting your feedback on this and what you think as we interview more airmen throughout our wing. Have a great day. Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgham. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. So what do we have today, Dr. Walker? Well, today we have Senior Airman Dakota from the 36th Intelligence Squadron here at Langley Air Force Base, and he's here to talk to us about how essential trust is, not just for resilience, but for leadership. So thank you for joining us today. We're very happy to have you. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on here. I'm from Michigan, so I know there's a lot of Ohio fans here, so I just (laughs) want to make sure to make that plug. So you're a go blue. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 36 Intelligence Squadron, I've been there my career. Uh, absolutely couldn't have been luckier. Even though it's been a very relatively short career, I uh, couldn't ask for anything more. That's awesome. That's awesome. And what inspired you to join the Air Force? So a little bit, of, I guess, farther background on me. After I graduated high school, I moved up to Alaska for a little while. Oh, just wow. thought I'd, yeah, right out of left field. I worked for a guide service, taking people hunting and fishing and a lot of time to yourself in between, a lot of self-reflection. About eight, nine months of that, I realized I've done the whole find myself time, and now I should probably get back and do something with my life. And that's took me back to Michigan, actually. Found myself doing a bunch of odd jobs, mainly, mainly kind of sales-oriented, whether that was selling cars, TVs, refrigerators, properties, whatever, you know, whatever was there to make a few dollars on, that's what that's what I was doing. And while there were good times in sales, anybody that has been in sales realizes that there's also bad times. Kind of helped supplement that and uh, do a little service to the community. Uh, I was a part-time firefighter slash EMT for about a year and a half. And what drew you to that career field? Honestly, it was it was to help with the ladies. <laughs> that is an honest answer. <laughs> I looked great in the overalls and helmet. <laughs> no, it was it was in a situation that happened when I was in high school. House next door was on fire. Nobody was there. Went in the back, saw the smoke, and you know, poked my head in. Hey, is anybody there? And by the time the firefighter showed up, they went into the thing, and I had such a rush from experiencing that, and I was like, wow. You know, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. The the adrenaline rush, the immediate knee-jerk reactions to kind of not put yourself in harm's way. That's not the right way to look at it, but to be in the situation to try to help out. Mm-hmm. Now, we know when we're talking about trust today, it's something we wanted to talk about and how to develop trust. And looking at Covey's model from Stephen Covey, leading at the speed of trust, he talks about this idea of competence and character. Mm-hmm. That we develop our competence, that's that idea of your results, capabilities, and intent those things that make us competent in our role, and then character, which comes down to integrity. And so really it's character and competence is his model. Mm -hmm. So the question I have is in firefighting, obviously you're developing a competence as a firefighter, Mm -hmm. learning to trust others, and the character, that's that integrity that you have 
that you're you're swore to save and protect people, you're going to run into a fire. Did you have any experiences where you saw that modeled, that kind of trust modeled? Yes, sir. We were going through there. The the initial one that pops in my head is the first major call I did with the department, and it will forever be etched in my mind. It was 10 o'clock, completely pitch black out there. It was snowing uh, because we were in Michigan. And it was a medical call, and I recognized the address almost immediately that was in a trailer park. And while it didn't have much relevance, it kind of gave me some contextual idea of what I was heading into. And by the time that we showed up, or I responded, there were three or four vehicles already there. Firefighters were inside, EMTs, police were there. What the call was, once I showed up, they told me it was that it was of an infant. Uh, Three or four months old, in terrible shape, neighbor called called it in. As I was walking up, uh, one of the other firefighters I was with was bringing, bringing the child out. And I, it was probably about three months old. What I saw was a baby that has gained no more than three pounds since birth. I completely emaciated. You could tell it had broken bones. It had bruises. To say it was hanging on to life by a thread would be an understatement. While I'd been through the academy, while I'd done the trainings, when I showed up there, I realized that I was completely inept to do it by myself. I didn't have the capacity at the time to have perspective on the situation, any relevance to the training to bring it back. But what I saw was the other firefighters in the department that I've barely known react in such a way that it was second nature. They were able to visualize the situation and put things in such a perspective that put the main priority first and everything else, no no matter the relevance of importance, they stuck to that first thing, right? And in that situation, it was the kid. What that all brought home to me was I could trust them. And that was huge for me. My whole outlook on the, the fire department, what I was doing there, the, to the people I was serving, completely changed. And so they had the competence to know what to do and how to deal with that situation, mm-hmm. but also the character to make those quick decisions, to act right off their instincts, and mm-hmm. that allowed you to have trust in what they were doing. Yes, sir. And, and I'm sure that played out in a number of other ways throughout your firefighting career where you, know, you were the one that they had to trust and, and vice versa in mm-hmm. these different situations. It was all based on that competence and character model. How has that model been transferred into your Air Force life? So as I came in there, I had these perspectives of the teamwork that I've taken from the fire department, and it, it allowed me to view things in the Air Force from an airman's perspective with that, with that kind of lens on, if that's what you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And it was the time that I sat down on a leadership course I sat down at quite a few of them at the time, but it was the one that retired Brigadier General Abel spoke at where it really hit home for me when it came to contextual information on the Air Force. And this whole message was on servant leadership. Mm -hmm. And I know servant leadership has been a key phrase that's been thrown around for years in many different avenues. Sure. But it was was how he discussed it in in a base form that made it applicable in a way that I hadn't seen it before. Okay. So when I, when I partnered it up with kind of the lessons that I learned from the, uh, the fire department when it came to trust and his information on servant leadership, it brought it back to as I sat there and I had this kind of moment I'm, and I'm sitting down listening to the different airmen, the NCO, senior NCOs uh, at the unit talk about things. It allowed me to kind of see base problems of what was uh, not problems per se, but issues of growth mm-hmm. that were coming up. And it, and it all kind of boiled down to trust for me. It prioritized people into these little sections, and if some person didn't have the trust, you know, it, it isolated them, isolated themselves, and that that kind of caveated into other things. 
And Simon Sinek hit it pretty well in his book, Leaders Eat Last, when he's talking about how trust is paramount, right? And without trust, you don't have this collective community. You have individual tribes. And then everybody, instead of having this set goal moving forward, everybody has these little objectives that they're doing. Instead of this organization moving forward benefiting, it's these individual tribes that while one makes it, the other nine don't. But that's okay in that in that setting. That was the whole basis for the, the Air Force push. Okay. So you came to the Air Force with this experience in, in the firefighting world where uh, you guys were close, close-knit unit, yeah. if you will. You trusted each other, and, and that propelled you guys as an organization to excel in what you were doing and mm-hmm. to accomplish your unit mission very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you take that and transfer it to say, Air Force units, the the same sort of organizational culture still applies, but it's a different type of trust in that we need, we're a very hierarchical organization, Mm -hmm. whereas you you don't necessarily find that in a lot of other civilian organizations or businesses. Mm -hmm. And so what that creates is trust that has to start at the very top and then work its way down, essentially infiltrating all other layers of the the organization Mm -hmm. from top to the bottom. At any point where there's a disconnect, either somebody is not trusting of another person or they're not proving themselves trustworthy, that you can have some kind of issue, like you described it, Mm -hmm. in the organization as a whole. Yeah, yes, sir. Two big things with that. In the civilian world, kind of like you pointed out, they have hierarchical systems, but it's not quite as ornate as it is in the the military. Mm And so there's, there's two things when you kind of look at the, as a business perspective, right? You, ha- you either have options, which you don't have in the Air Force, because when you're put in a position, you're in the position, <laughs> right. right? And if you don't have that, you have to have accountability. And without that, it kind of mitigates this whole foundation of what can be built upon. You said accountability. How does one as an individual establish that accountability and create the circumstances necessary for trust to happen? It's a decision to make a commitment to serve, which is the basis of serving leadership. But to be accountable, you can't just be accountable to someone else, and you can't just be accountable to yourself. Marriage between situational, okay, well, now it's time to focus on me, and now it's time to be completely selfish focusing on others. And there's never a good guideline to say, this is when you do this or that's when you do that. It's, it's just personal conviction on which way to go is the best way to be accountable for it. It almost sounds like a paradox. It because is. at the same yeah. time that we're accountable to ourselves and accountable to each other, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a selflessness there, but there's also a selfishness. Mm-hmm. Because I, and I know this from uh, discussions that we had earlier about how we have to develop our own character and we have to be strong in our own convictions. And that when we portray ourselves with the integrity of our own value system and, and our, our own convictions, then we establish the ability to be trusted from all those who work with us and who work under us. Yeah. And that's just, I don't know who brought the word conviction, but it is a, is a large part about the, the trust leadership program that I was developing. And it's it's such an elevated word from a commitment. And I, and I think that it's kind of the same thing as a covenant, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a promise to something, whether to be yourself or a vision or whatever it is, that beyond any shadow of a doubt, you're going to complete that. And that was, it was something else that I wanted to bring up and get your perspectives on was a focus on a vision initially to build that accountability to yourself, to build the way forward with leadership before you start focusing on the goals. Well, I think it all starts with your value system. Mm-hmm. So your personal values are going to inform much of what it is 
that you 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 know set your goals towards. So mm-hmm. um, you have to know yourself within yourself what's most important for your your sense of being, for your sense of worth, and for uh, what you consider to be a successful or, or life well lived. And once you can establish those core key values that make you who you are, then that vision statement, those goals that you have are going to flow naturally from that. Yep. Your values will always inform your identity. Mm-hmm. Once you have your identity, we will always act consistent with our identity. We always will. That's yep. why the police officer puts himself in harm's way mm-hmm. or the person runs in the battlefield into fire. It's acting consistent with our values and our identity. In this, we've talked a lot about as far as developing trust, some accountability and mm-hmm. so forth. In bring this into the work center, let's say someone's interested in getting that accountability to themselves and others, how would they do that? All right, so you're referencing, you know, if I were to make a commitment today, say I want to be accountable to, you know, my peers in mm-hmm. that situation, it makes that initial promise kind of like it was hitting at, that the self-reflection, right, which is another part of the course, is this, it's a continual self-reflection. I forgot the reader that, or the book that I was reading, but it referred to it as knowing your stats. Right. If you ask a lot of other people, they can read LeBron James' shoe size, scoring percentage, and three-point range from last game, but he, they can't tell you what their perspective's on in a, in a clear way. And, you know, obviously, you know, I don't want to go down this other rabbit hole of communication right now because that's a discussion all in and of itself that could go on for weeks. But it's, it's a clarity in that communication that I, that I think can come from understanding your values, right? Something that was hit on General Abel's course, there's something that was hit on when I was in the fire department, and this, this, this reoccurring thing, is that in any situation, whether it be very complex or simplistic, that anybody in that situation knows the answer almost immediately. And it's a very simple answer. The difficulty is in communicating that answer and or justifying the answer. And I don't think that's from a point of ignorance. I think it's from a point of not Understanding yourself, your likes, dislikes, whatever that may be, truly standing where you are on certain topics. I think it also requires openness mm-hmm. and a willingness to be vulnerable. And and I know, you know, myself as a as a leader, I've struggled with that because you have to be willing to accept that you will fail, that things will go wrong, mm-hmm. and that you may feel a bit ashamed or embarrassed at times. But that's okay. And as long as we have leaders who are willing to put themselves out, out there and say, here's what I stand for and here's what I believe in, this is my value system and, and this is how I want to use that to propel this organization to greatness. If they can do that with openness and they can do it with vulnerability, then they're going to develop a lot of trust throughout the organization. I use, I won't say the names of the apps, but I have two apps I use that are used for accountability. So one for, I have a meditation app I use every morning and it tells me my streak so people will routinely ask me, they go, where's your streak? And I'll be able to, when I'm not in the building, show them the number, which is pretty good. This other app I use, which is for all my fitness and eating stuff. Well, that one can be quite difficult because I've put it out there, what I'm trying to do with fitness, et cetera. I've asked for accountability. So you have choices, though, of what you want to disclose calorie-wise. Is it just your calories? Is it just logging? So I said, I'm going to disclose everything I'm eating. So if you're on a friend in the same app, you see what I'm eating and when. Well, that people call you out because if I go in there and today was Dr. Walker's birthday, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. And we had cake. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go back and enter cake and I'm in this in a, a specific diet. I will absolutely get called out tonight on it. <laughs> and I'm sure of it. So I know from the accountability piece that I'm not going to go home and have a sugar fest the rest of the day and eat a bunch of bad things because I have that accountability. That's an example of something outside of work, but in work even making a commitment to grow, 
mm-hmm. which I've done even, coming and say, hey, I'm learning this new counseling modality. Absolutely. Can you keep me accountable to yeah. it? Got it. That can be a professional way to do it. So I think there's a lot to do with this. So anyway, so to wrap all this up, we want to ask one closing question, which is what we ask many people on here, pretty much everyone. So let's say you have a billboard <laughs> anywhere, and it's just a billboard. You put anything on it at all, any message what would you put on the billboard? I thought about this question for many hours. <laughs> and it, what, it, what it came down to was a quote by Robin Williams. And the quote is, uh, you must strive to find your own voice because the longer you wait to begin, the less likely you are to find it at all. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Well, great way great. to end. Thank you for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. Until next time. If you need us, please reach out to us on the global address list. Finally, thank you for what you do for our nation, and we hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.